Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Today's episode of The Unmistakable Creative is brought to you by Cells. That's S-E-L-Z dot com. With Cells, you can add your products and sell from any site in minutes without any complicated setup or hassle. They handle the payments when a customer buys and send you the money while providing your customer with a completely seamless experience. In spite of all our communication technology, no invention is as effective as the sound of the human voice. When we hear the human voice, we instinctively want to listen in the hopes of understanding it, even when the speaker is searching for the right words to say. 
That's because the human voice resonates differently from everything else in the world. with creative entrepreneurs and insanely interesting people. In this episode of The Unmistakable Creative, Pamela Slim returns to the show to discuss her latest book, Body of Work. A stable career in any field is quickly becoming obsolete, and by creating a body of work, we can navigate the uncertain world of work that lies ahead of us. So listen in for how you can navigate your own future and create your body of work. Pam, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thank you so much. Three times. Boy, I feel really special. I am so glad to be back here. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's funny. We've, we've had you at the very beginning of this. We had you one more time when we were kind of finishing up our uh, stint as, as Blogcast FM. And, you know, even though it hasn't been that long since we had you here, one of the reasons I really wanted to have you back is, is because I felt that the content of the new book, this whole idea of a body of work, uh, is something that has been very transformative for me. And, and, you know, the people in our community are creatives. And I think to, to get their head around that idea, I, I think is really something important uh, because I feel like it just unlocks so many things. But before we do that, I'd love for you to kind of walk us through a, a little bit of your story uh, that, that kind of, le- you know, and, and how that has led to this book. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because uh, whenever you write a book, and you've written books, so you know this, that the, the journey itself of writing is often uh, also one in which you learn all kinds of things about yourself. And I know for me that was really the case with Body of Work, not just myself, but also my dad, who's a, a central figure in the book. And the, what was initially driving me to write the book is after having done so many things in my own career, I've, I've worked in just about every work mode you can imagine. I've been, a, I was in nonprofit work early on in my career in college. I was an international service and development major with a focus in uh, education in Latin America. And I thought I was just going to be an expatriate aid worker when I was young and optimistic. Uh, I'm still optimistic, just not as young. <laughs> but I did that. I worked in, in nonprofits. I worked in nonprofit education at the Exploratorium. And then I slowly wound my way into more business and corporate life, ending up at Barclays Global Investors, which is a big financial services firm in San Francisco, but in the field of training and development. And I've, I've always found that being on the human side of business is something that was just really interesting to me. Um, when I had kids, I was a stay-at-home mom for a year, which is when I started my blog, Escape from Cubicle Nation, about eight years ago. And uh, then I've also been a consultant to large companies. I did that for about 10 years when I first started my business. And then the last eight years, I've been working in startup. So there's something that I realized from my own journey of enjoying the fact that I've worked in so many different uh, arenas. And to be perfectly frank about it, I never, ever considered that a problem. (laughs) I never looked like, oh my God, you know, my work history is kind of all over the place. Like what a drag. And that's a very common uh, feeling that I'll get, an experience that I'll get from people that I'm working with. And to me, it was just like the most obvious thing in the world. Like, of course, right? That's what you do. Life's an adventure. You do different things. You get bored, you do something else. But I began to realize that that's not really the case for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I am really glad that you brought up your father. I mean, that was one of the things that was really, I remember when you gave your talk at Misfit about that, and that was one of the parts of the conversation that really stood out. You know, this is something I don't think I've ever asked you, uh, or anybody for that matter. I mean, can you talk about some of the early influences in your life that sort of shaped the the creative parts of, you know, the creative endeavors in your life? Yeah, well, my dad is a huge influence and and a huge part of of really what shaped me on on one side. And I, I really trace some of that back to what I learned in interviewing him from this book, uh, Believe it or not, it goes back to farming. <laughs> my my uh, my grandparents were chicken and peach farmers in 
Yuba City, California, which is a small farming town uh, up by Sacramento. Interestingly, I think we both know Ramit Sethi, and uh, Ramit's family have uh, roots also in Yuba City, one of those weird, you know, kind of things you find out about your friends when, when you talk about your childhood. But, but when I was talking with my dad about his life and why it is that he's so passionate about community development and volunteering and restoring old buildings. One of the central stories in the book is uh, for about the last 25 years, he and my bonus mom and other people in his really small community have been hand restoring essentially this 100-year-old school. And when I asked him about it, like, why why would you do that? He His answer was always like, that's just the way that it was. My my grandfather's farm, or, or his dad, my, my grandfather, his father, he said, you know, my dad would all, his farm was always immaculate. He took great pride in the work that he did. I was always cleaning up around the farm. You know, we'd always make sure that the front that, you know, that met the road where people would drive by was always really clean. And, and I realized, like, hearing him talk about his dad, his dad was also a woodworker and uh, did a lot of work in his shop that was, like, where he loved to make things. He used to, he used to make things for my Aunt Char, where a little trivia fact, she's also Miss Beetle from Little House in the Prairie. And for David Lynch fans, she was in Eraserhead. Uh, also in Tremors with Kevin Bacon. So she's one degree, you know, I'm only one degree separation from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> but but when, when she was in high school, she was would, would uh, roller skate and she'd be in roller skating competitions. And my dad talked about how he would watch his dad really enjoy making sets. He'd be in his, you know, in his shop and he would make sets for my uh, for my, my Aunt Char when she was doing her roller skating. Now, interestingly, another really deep part of my family's history is there was a lot of alcohol that was drank. My grandfather was actually quite an unhappy person because he was going to school at UC Berkeley to be an engineer and his father passed away and he was forced by his family to come back and take over the farm. And he never really wanted to be a farmer. And this was a really interesting thing because he did take great care in how it is that he took care of the farm but he was a pretty fundamentally unhappy person. And I think that really influenced my dad. I mean, the positive thing is he was influenced to care about his environment and take care of things. But on the other side, he saw what it was like to live with a parent that fundamentally did not want to do what they were doing day in and day out. And so my dad left the farm. He knew he didn't want to be a farmer. He went to... uh, Uh, University of the Pacific, which was then College of the Pacific in Stockton, and he was a journalist, and then he became a photographer. And, you know, he really had great passion for the work that he did, and that was a really huge influence for me. So on my dad's side, there's gigantic influence in terms of hearing the stories about his own work and watching him do work he loved. My mom, on the other side, she didn't have that same relationship with work that my dad did. She did a variety of things. She was trained as a teacher. Then she was a stay-at-home mom. After my parents divorced, she, you know, waitress, she worked with in special ed. And then her later years working, she worked for Hospice of Marin, and she really enjoyed it. But her real passion was always about raising kids. I mean, I trust my mom's judgment more than anybody on earth when it comes to how to raise kids. She has a really nuanced way that she understands how to be a parent and like being around her when she's around my kids, she's never bossy at all. She doesn't tell me how to raise them, but just the natural way that she kind of asks questions. She believes in uh, kind of free range kids, right? You don't constantly cluck after them. Like, watch that. Don't do that. Don't hit that. Don't do that. She, she believes in really like letting kids go do their thing. And then you just give these slight little, you know, like questions or adjustments or like distract them from doing something when they're doing it wrong. Now, I'm not as good a parent as she was because, you know, I have my moments of yelling, <laughs> yelling at times, as you'll know if you live next door to me. But uh, but she she really influenced me that way in terms of being the kind of parent that I want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, one of the things you said uh, was that, you know, your dad kind of saw what it looked like to, to have a life where you weren't excited about your work. And I, I think that that's, that's almost an epidemic at this point in our society. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and your first book really addresses that. But what I love about where this conversation is going with this book is is this whole, whole kind of idea that it's no longer a career path, but, you know, it's a body of work that we can do all these different things. But so, you know, two questions come from me for from kind of what you just said. One 
is sort of this notion of how we deal with this epidemic um, and, you know, basically start creating, even if, if, even if, if we're stuck to some degree, how we get unstuck. And then, you know, you said your dad's, uh, you know, restoring a, a, an old building. And, and I, you know, I remember you telling this story. And I think that when I hear something like that, one of the first things that comes to my mind is, wow, that is a really big undertaking for a creative project. And part of me thinks that there's got to be people who think, God, I want to do something that big, but I don't have it in me. And I'm wondering how you get past that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the... Uh... The epidemic of unhappy people. This is such an interesting question to ponder because mm-hmm. for many of us in the quit your job, you know, start a business, be a misfit, uh, you know, be remarkable, of which I obviously am one of those people and I love to have people like that around me. Here is the trap that we sometimes fall into. We become miserable, arrogant, <laughs> tunnel vision We think our way is the only way in the same way that we can rail against the system Mm -hmm. for making people conform. And this is an interesting thing that I've really seen in my work in Escape from Cubicle Nation, which is one of the places that I want to bring us back in body of work, is in not obsessing over work mode. There's nothing inherently wonderful or liberating about working for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's an understatement. Uh, right? I mean, talk to somebody <laughs> who is totally panicked about how they're going to pay bills, you know, freaked out because they're new in an entrepreneur journey. Talk to somebody like my husband who lived through a huge crash uh, of the economy in 2008, right, in his, in, uh, in his business and construction. I mean, it is... It is a really challenging thing to work for yourself. I love it. It is a work mode that for me totally matches who I am and how I do my my best work. And and part of that is what I've learned because I have worked in many different work modes. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that we have done is to glamorize the idea about you know, being remarkable or unconventional or being free and working for ourselves. And what we really get away from is understanding and respecting the fact that everybody has their own sacred journey with understanding themselves and their work. And for one person, the best possible choice that they may make is to decide to be a full-time stay-at-home mom or to work for somebody else or to start a $10 million business and totally kick butt and hang out with Richard Branson on, you know, tropical islands. There is absolutely not one perfect way to be. And that's, I think, where we've gotten a little bit obsessed. And I think that's part of what there's, there are people who really have found the path where they do feel connection and meaning with their work when they work for themselves. And that's fantastic where they can really express that. There's a lot of other people that end up beating themselves up because they think they should want all that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and either it's hard or it doesn't work or they don't really want it, but they think they should want it just in the very same way that they think they should move up the career path <laughs> and purchase a large house in the suburbs. You see what I'm saying? It becomes a similar kind of thing that we're searching for that isn't directly related to really what is our individual path. You know, what is the way that we can actually be um, fully contributing to the world? So the place where I see that all of us can begin to make that connection with the kind of work that we're doing is focusing on creating and and creating something, which I think is something we can all share and we can enjoy that goes throughout many different work modes. I know that when I have family gatherings and my brother and sister-in-law who are isotope geochemists, you know, work for University of Pittsburgh, they come together. My sister works for a large company as a writer and editor. You know, I work for myself. Usually the places where we end up really getting excited is where we talk about what it is that we're creating, right? What are those areas where we have interesting projects that's, you know, challenging and we brainstorm that. That's the place that you can begin to find something. So yeah, you may not choose to spend 25 years as a volunteer (laughs) (laughs) hand restoring a large hundred year old school. Like I tell my dad, you know, a few crazy people do that and he's, he's one of them, but uh, you can enjoy uh, maybe picking up a camera 
for, for the first time in a really long time and just enjoy the process of taking pictures. Or you may really enjoy uh, coaching your kids sports team, you know, and begin to get in the joy of creating and developing young, competent athletes, you know, within the team or whatever it is, that's when I think you can begin to really connect with yourself or you write a book or you, you, you do something that's engaging you with the creative process. I think that that's really been the biggest lesson of this book is let's not worry so much about, you know, career paths. And I think a lot of people just get stuck because they think they should be doing a whole bunch of things. They think once they go down one path, if they become a lawyer or doctor or engineer, uh, or a very successful business person that nobody's going to understand and it's impossible to make a shift my whole point is, who cares? There's always a way to tell a good story about why it is that you're making different decisions in your life. The important thing is that you care about what you're actually creating and contributing to the world. Mm-hmm. I love this. I mean, it, it, you, I think you've hit one of my personal hot buttons, you know, and, and it, it's funny because Greg Hartle and I have talked extensively about this. He said, you know, we, when, you know, we're talking about the internet, he said, you know, you realize you live in a bubble. He said, go and see the rest of this country. And, you know, he said, spend a day walking through Flint, Michigan, and, you know, what we're up to probably doesn't seem all that relevant. Exactly. It's, it is Narnia, if yeah. you've ever read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It, and, and it is really easy to, to just get focused on that. And I, I'm exactly as delighted and intrigued as anybody else. For me, it was about eight years ago when I first discovered... Uh, you know, the internet and, and people who were crazy entrepreneurs who were doing all these interesting businesses. And to this day, I get so excited and it's so, it's such an interesting place to be. And I'm so thankful for it. Um, but there also are a lot of other really fascinating, interesting people that are, you know, all over the world in, in, that are doing really interesting things and creating interesting things. And, and there is the, the uh, there's a part, one of the, the, I call it a root uh, that I've really found that is an important one to me, which is the bigger context for the kind of work that I want to do in the world, is that going back to when I was an undergraduate and doing economic development work, like I care about our our communal benefit and growth and economic development. So if I just look in my own area within the Phoenix metro area here in Arizona, it's only going to be a benefit if large companies here are working with smaller companies that are working with freelancers that are working with, you know, government projects that are working with nonprofits. The more that all of us are actually communicating with each other and doing work that's moving our entire economic engine forward, those are the kinds of, of, of conversations that I want to be in, you know, and those are the kinds of things. And, and that's why sometimes if we are using language of, of vilifying one way of being, right, and making ourselves right, I, I just personally, I just don't like that. I don't like it in politics. I don't like it in life because what I care about is always working toward contributing something and making something better, and I, that's just something I've learned. I, I, I know a lot of people actually enjoy like negotiating and arguing online and stuff. Oh my God, I would rather do anything else. I just can't <laughs> stand that. Like, okay, you know, it just it just doesn't it doesn't light my fire. Yeah, no, I, I could. I think that would exhaust me to no end. So you, you said two things. That, um, you know, you've talked extensively about work modes, and then you brought up this concept of, of everybody's individual sacred sacred journey. Uh, so a couple of questions around this. You know, in your own sacred journey, have there been sort of molding moments or, or sort of and, and tipping points that, that you've experienced? And then the other is, is you know, once we're, we're clear on what our work mode is, I mean, how do you have that sort of sacred journey play out within that work mode and, and you know, create and contribute? I mean, I, to me, it is, um, I, I think the, the sacred part of the journey is in recognizing that there. Is, I do have a reverence for work. I do think that work is something that really makes us, I don't know, it's, it's, where, it's where we, it's just, it's an essential part of life that, that it, even if you, it, you end up winning a lottery or making a huge amount of money or selling your company or something, Usually that you're not going to feel inherent satisfaction if you are 
um, if you're just sitting around doing nothing, right? There's something about the act of working that that I know I've always really enjoyed, um, starting at age 12 of working in an ice cream parlor, you know, and just enjoying sweating and washing dishes and, you know, and, and doing something. Um, but and so in, in the points, I think, that become tipping points and become significant moments are those moments when, for me, I've had the opportunity to feel what it's like to be doing work that I am truly meant to do that is so enjoyable that I totally love doing it. So there have been many of those moments when I've been in coaching conversations with people. I mean, just the hair is standing on the back of my neck as I'm talking with somebody who has a deep realization that they can build a company or that, you know, the fact that they had a rough time and they have many battle scars does not mean at all that they are destined to be in in one direction. I mean, there have been so many of those conversations throughout the years. And those are the times where I hang up the phone and I just like, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful to be able to have those kinds of conversations because they're so powerful. Um, the same thing has been true a lot of times in, in the writing process of even something as simple as writing a blog post that really, really was enjoyable to write, but also really resonated with other people. I remember one of the posts I, I included in the book was one I did for my friend Hugh McLeod uh, from Gaping Void, and he did a series called You Less Than. And you know when you just kind of get, you just get in the flow. I got this image in my head of this photo that my dad had taken of me. And I, I was just transported into this journey of this story that I told. And it uh, doesn't always happen that way sometimes in sitting down to write a blog post. But this post was just so enjoyable to write. And it felt it felt vulnerable and, and, and open, but it also felt kind of cathartic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he published it on his blog and he, and he ended up getting a huge, great positive reaction to it, you know, and that, that, that was something that, that it's enjoyable when you have both sides of that. It was, it was so enjoyable to do. And I think, and the other, uh, there's a whole bunch of other parts of my creative journey, but I remember in all the time that I studied capoeira, the Afro-Brazilian martial art that I did, it, it was, it was part of my volunteer work journey of uh, being a volunteer executive director. But I, I remember times where I would be in the, you call it the hoada, the circle, you know, with other people and, you know, actually involved in the middle of the art and hearing the music and, you know, doing the movements. And it just, you're transported into another place. And, and that's, you know, another part of, of my creative journey. So th- those are the thing. those are the moments where I feel like I've had so many of them because I always have, uh, Part of it is a character flaw, honestly. I mean, like compared to my sister and brother, they are so much more able to do work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I can be very undisciplined. Like, you know, if I don't want to do something, then I really, really have a hard time doing it. Um, the good side means that I'm constantly gravitating toward work that is enjoyable. The downside is I am a an adult <laughs> who sometimes has to do stuff that I don't want to do, right? And like, I, I openly admit that. But there are many, many people who have never had that experience with work. Mm-hmm. Never had that moment of like, have you had those moments? Not until this last couple of years. I mean, I can tell you in my corporate career, I mean, I, I, if you read my Facebook update from this morning, it was, I think it was titled the, the, uh, the performance that had to come to an end because, uh, you know, I mean, as, as I was younger, it, I, like you wouldn't believe the amount of times my dad would tell me, you're going to a job interview, make sure you act interested and I thought, you know, and I've thought about that over the years, and I thought, you know, no wonder it didn't work out because I acted interested. The problem is if you get a job where you're acting interested, you have to keep acting. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, now, obviously, with, with all the work that I've done, I mean, it, you, you know, you definitely get that sort of that sense that, you know, you were put here to do this. Like there's you can't imagine doing anything else. Yeah, that, that's that's re- woo. That's very profound. I mean, woo. That I, I kind of just got chills as you were saying that. Really, that that is very profound, and that that's why it is so important how we how we do talk about work with our you know with ourselves and, and how we think about it and how we how we parent. And I, I, what I believe so strongly is our parents that are giving us advice or our grandparents 
are doing it because they believe that they are helping us to be safe and well taken care of, to have a great life, Mm -hmm. right? I I don't think any parent's going to intentionally try to sabotage their kid. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe a few, but they're not very well, right? Mm -hmm. Mostly they're saying like, this is what you need to do. You need to develop the kind of discipline, Mm -hmm. right? Where you stick with one thing. If I had had different parents, it would be very interesting to see how I would have turned out. Right. Imagine if I had like a military kind of focus. I mean, there's many people in the military, but you know what I mean? Somebody who was like, don't quit, like, don't leave your corporate job. Don't go by yourself and travel to Latin America. Don't move to Arizona and marry Navajo. You know, like my parents, I I was joking with Ramit when I was talking with him about this, Ramit Sethi, that uh, I've, I've never heard my parents ever tell me that they don't think everything I do is fantastic. And I'm sure sometimes they were thinking like, wow, that's kind of, you know, unique. I don't really know where this is going. But they always just encouraged it so much that I think that's part of why I've been able to maintain this 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 joy, you know, and connection. And that that's what I want. I mean, that's what I want for people. I don't, I know I sound like a total Northern California granola head life coach. <laughs> I know that. And I totally, I am. I mean, I, I own that part of myself. But, you know, the other part is I'm very pragmatic and I've seen hundreds and hundreds of times now throughout the last 20 years of working with people that it really is possible to cross the bridge of feeling trapped and, you know, stuck and like and things are not going to go in a, in a good direction. And I've seen it so many times to where people really do change and blossom when they're put in a situation where they're able to do the right work. I remember I was doing a big project, a huge consulting project, and I was brought in to work in a department uh, with somebody who was just a lovely person who was just a few years from retirement um, in the large company. And I could tell right away there was a certain dynamic that was happening uh, there where it's kind of like I was the outside consultant, but you know maybe there was like a little bit of an agenda to maybe move the person out, you know, and thankfully we developed a really good uh you know, really good relationship. And, and, uh, she was able to open up and tell me indeed she had had a great career, but had a bad performance review one year. Right. And in some large companies, once you get that, it's like the total scarlet letter, right. You're, you're targeted. And, uh, we just we did a lot of work to try to figure out strategically how it is that she could, you know, maneuver within the organization and get to a better place. And she did, and she was able to, uh, save her her career and her job and work you know all the way out into retirement doing something that she totally enjoyed it was a really positive career shift you know mm-hmm. and, um, and and like those kinds of experiences which, which ended up completely changing the trajectory uh, of her life it would have had a really big impact if you know if she would have ended up getting moved out not not just by ending her career in a really sour note but also really strong financial, implications, you know, based on how her retirement dollars would have been um, after having spent a lot of time in a career. So I I like to say, uh, (laughs) being a martial artist as well, you know, I I give advice and I totally spat off like a life coach, but I'm totally willing to like take that into the octagon. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if I'm fighting against somebody who says that. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget? Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. That's a bunch of you know whatever. Like just follow a career path and stop talking about all these. You know, life has meaning and you can enjoy your work. Hmm. I really am willing to like get down on the mat for that because it is possible to do really great work and uh, have a good solid you know financial situation if that's what's important to you, uh, but also do work that's meaningful. I, I, I think it's it's possible for everybody. Let's take a quick break and thank our other sponsor for today's show, Audible. Audible is offering unmistakable creative listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. With over 150,000 titles to choose from, you're likely to find books written by many of our former guests here at The Unmistakable Creative. So visit audible.com creative and pick up a book written by one of your favorite former guests. Now, let's get back to the show. Well, you know, one of the things you said uh, as you were talking about this, you said, you know, a situation in, in which you're doing the right kind of work. And, you know, I've talked extensively with this pipeline. and, I, you know, sometimes I think that one of the, the challenges where people find themselves doing work that isn't meaningful is that we've mismatched their talents with the environment that they're in. And that's something, I mean, that's, you know, when I look back at my own experience, that's what I see is, is that, you know, I mean, I was written off as somebody who wasn't interested in controlling my own destiny. That was what I was told, um, which, you know, if you look at how this has turned out, that's, that's clearly not the case. But part of it, I think, was just a serious mismatch of talent and environment. That's exactly what it is. And that, that's why it is this really – it's a, important to look at the process as one where you do – you really do take ownership and responsibility for noticing and figuring out what are areas that you really are great at. Where do you have really powerful strengths? What kind of environment is the best to bring out the best in you? I, I've seen it over and over in the Escape from Cubicle Nation arena with coaching clients where somebody was really miserable in in the work mode of working for somebody else. And then when they got out working for themselves, everything changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I was... I was talking with a client the other day and I was like, see, like when you were in the organization, I couldn't describe it to you. You know, I couldn't explain how things were going to be different. And he was like, I know, I know, like I totally get it now. I, you know, I see what you were talking about. And that was a case where it, where the work mode was a significant lever. Like I said earlier, it's not like that. That's not the magic solution for everybody. But when you can begin to pay attention to the times where you have the right set of circumstances around you, the right kinds of people, you can be an amazing business person and you can have like really, really great advice, but you get in the wrong audience and you feel like a complete and total loser because they're not connecting with you and they don't value you or your advice doesn't fit. And then you get with the right kind of audience and it makes such a difference. Um, One of my clients uh, is was always a super talented uh, therapist and psychologist. And she was seeing, she had a successful practice, but she was seeing a lot of young women who had, you know, really low self-esteem and she would do her very best to work in the context of being a therapist and a psychologist. 
But she really had an epiphany where she kind of crossed the bridge and said, and for, in, in her case, it was particularly for Latina women. She was like, you know, one of the reasons why we have this systemically as uh, for young Latina women is because we don't see these powerful examples of strong leaders. And she ended up creating what she calls the AIA Leadership Institute, which is really strong, powerful Latina women business, you know, women professionals that are working together. And it's just amazing to see the transformation of the impact that she can make. I mean, she's running uh, events and she had Google sponsor and she's been all over CNN. And, you know, it's just amazing to see the shift when she was able to put her strengths and her skills in the right place. The metaphor I use in the book is you have, we all have our ingredients, right? But we need to find the right recipe. Mm -hmm. You need to find the place where like the right ingredients come together and, and create something extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I I think that makes a a perfect setup to, to really start talking more in depth. I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about work mode. Um, but I, I really want to get into this idea of, of creating a body of work. Uh, you know, I mean, that, like I had told you before we even hit record here, I mean, I felt that was one of the most liberating things that I'd ever heard. And as I sort of started to look at and survey people, um, people who I've interviewed, people who have created a lot of things, I look at this, you know, I look at somebody like Seth Godin and I think, yeah, I mean, he's not defined by Seth Godin's blog. It just happens to be part of what he does. And then he has all these other things that become part of, you know, what you effectively call a body of work. And you know, I, I guess what, where I'm going with this is, is that, you know, I think that once you get to some sort of central ethos or, or mission or message, then everything else is kind of an expression of that. So I, I guess that, you know, you, I guess you, you call the thread that ties everything together. Um, I mean, when you look back in your life uh, and, and all the sort of careers you've had and all the things you've done, I mean, you've effectively created a body of work. I mean, what would you say that thread is? And then how do other people find it? I mean, I think the thread, it, 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 tie, it, it both ties your past together, but then it also can be threads that help you look to what you're doing in the future. So one, one of the things where people can get caught who haven't found that a unified way to look at their body of work that makes sense to them, first of all, right, not to mention somebody else, is in thinking that you do find like a singular purpose. And, and that, that I think is one thing that ends up getting in people's way much more than it ends up helping where we say like, what's my mission in life? <laughs> so, some, some, there are some people know it and, you know, it's, they have a, a nearly, you know, religious experience with it, which is totally cool. That's what happens for them. But for many other people, it's not that way. So uh, for me, it, it's beginning to notice what are really deep things that I care about? What are uh, what are patterns that I notice throughout the different kinds of work that I have done? And one pattern that I notice over and over that went through martial arts work that I did and in community development in Latin America and training and development, executive coaching, startup coaching is about change and transformation, right? Always being interested in watching a before and after. Like nothing gets me more excited than those uh, reality shows where you have like a total disaster area house and you take everything out and designer, you know, builds new shelves and paints everything. You put it back and it totally looks different. Like those, that general pattern of transformation, being in a bad work situation, figuring out what works and relaunching in a new way is a thread that has always been throughout all of my work. So I can notice that that's something that consistently is going to be, um, you know, a, a moving factor in my work and is part of my body of work, even though the output can be different. Uh, the other thing is really a passion and a connection with, with the underdog, with the unseen, with those that don't get the credit that they're deserved, with, you know, um, with discrimination, with injustice, with things like that has always been a very deep passion and interest of mine. And so in the work that I do, those become threads where I make sure whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm always holding that as a consistent value. So on my blog, where I'm not only featuring stories of uh, beloved white men, hey, my dad's a white man, (laughs) my brother's a white man, I love them so dearly, I love all my white men relatives, nothing wrong with them. However, there are more people in the world, right? So if I have the opportunity to be building a platform I want to be showcasing people of different backgrounds and races and sexual orientations and, you know, perspectives on the world. That's a way that I can really be weaving the thread, you know, in this particular part of what I'm doing. So um, so on one hand, there are ways that you can look back 
over your history and actually like see it differently, right? Um, in, in some ways, if you it, it could it can be a fun exercise where you look at all that you've created. If, if you've worked in an organization for a long time, you look at different projects you were involved in, or you know maybe what kinds of things did you get done? Did you launch websites or build code or whatever it is? And just begin to lay those things out on the table in addition to things that you did in your community, things that you did, you know, in your personal relationships, volunteer projects, and, and begin to lay it all out, that's where sometimes you can see patterns and, and retroactively you can begin to see where some of the threads were working that you weren't aware of. When you use it as a way that you can look forward, um, that's when I think it, it can help become certain decision criteria. And, and some of that is why a, a lot of the first part of the book is about doing some introspection about about your roots. Like, what do you really care about? What do you actually value? What do you believe? What are things that get you totally riled up? Where do you want to, to really make a difference in the world? And when you define that, then that can be some decision criteria for how you're going to look at different opportunities, mm-hmm. right? So if you have the next safe step in your corporate career that you secretly loathe and your whole body like begins to shake when you think about it, but you think that's the responsible thing, right? And then you have this new interesting project that you're really drawn to. You can look at, at that decision criteria and say, wait a minute, you know, maybe this seemingly risky next step is the one that's more perfectly going to be aligned with really who I am and what I care about and where my natural strengths are. And I think the more you get used to making decisions based on um, that kind of criteria, you do end up seeing more success. I mean, and sometimes you fall flat on your face, but at least you're you're um, challenging yourself, right, to try out different situations where you're more likely to be um, enjoying what you're doing and really leveraging your strengths. And um, I, I just see it in my own experience and that with a lot of clients, the more you do it and you practice that, you get kind of rigorous about what you say yes or no to, mm-hmm. the better your quality of life becomes and the better quality your work becomes. Yeah, I, I, having experienced a lot of things I have, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think it, it's, it's, you know, even it, learning to say no to things took me a really long time and know it, you know, developing criteria, that was a really, really big one. But, you know, the thing that you brought up that I, I really, I want to dig deeper into, you talked about how the output is different, you know, could be different anytime soon. And I also love that you brought up that it, it, there's introspection. One thing I've realized about introspection uh, or this sort of, you know, finding this purpose or message or mission, at least for me, I found that it's an evolutionary process. It's a complete process of inquiry. And it's, it's not like, you know, I, I never have, you know, I don't ever have on my to-do list today on my to-do list. The task is to find my purpose. <laughs> I think that that would be ridiculous. Like, I, I think these questions um, are questions that we ask and it takes often, they're, they're questions that I, in my mind have to bake. But the idea that the output could be different is something that I really, I, I would love for you to expand on because, you know, as I've, I've thought about this, you know, Simon Sinek came to me, he said, I'll tell you what your why is. When we, we had a chat, he said, you're completely enamored with people who are good at unusual things, hence the name, the unmistakable creative. Uh, but it's played itself out in so many different forms. Like, you know, one is in the form of a book another is in the form of an event. You know, now I'm thinking, oh, I could make a documentary film. So I'd love for you, because I think that when we see this, our mindset is, okay, I'm a blogger and this is the thing I do. I am forever defined by this one thing. And then I go and look at somebody like AJ Leon. It's like, wait a minute, these guys do everything. Even though their business is a design agency, you know, they have a t-shirt line that's part of their body of work. Yeah. And, and so, so the, 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 so the area of interest is in how it impacts the quality of your creative output when you're conscious about that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I guess that. And also, you know, I think that people are really trapped in the idea. Like, I think they have a very limited perception of what their output options are. Like you listen to my show and you're probably thinking, okay, I'm going to go start a blog. And I'm thinking, well, if you have a message that would play itself out better in the making a film, why don't you do that instead? That's exactly right. And I think that is something that is the, the options that we have today around these things are radically different than they were, it feels to me, even five years ago oh, or yeah. 10 years ago, right? There, there's always been people who are just out there doing really cool, creative things. Uh, and my dad's one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've just always, without having all the tools we have available, but now with 
the combination of free access to resource, like being able to learn just about anything in the world. If you're young, it's on YouTube, right? If you're old, then you go to Google. But, uh, you know, it's uh, there's we have access to learning so many things, but then also with crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's another really just different, unique opportunity. Uh, I had one uh, one client who used to be uh, work for Disney actually, and she is an artist, and she had this crazy idea to. Uh, she got married to an Argentinian, and she wanted to travel to all the provinces in Argentina, and paint portraits of people and just the interesting people, just the average person, right? The teachers and scientists and poets and everything, and uh, and so like kind of kind of a crazy wacky idea. But she did a Kickstarter project and raised $25,000, you know, and when she started, she, she didn't really know what she was getting into when she started. And halfway through, she didn't exactly know what she was getting into and realized she may have been way over her head. Mm-hmm. But then when she had that focus on really being excited about it and she engaged her community and she asked for help, she was actually able to, you know, to do it. And I just think, I just think those things are totally amazing, you know, I just I just think it's really amazing that we are able to do a lot of creative projects now. And the precedent has been set where because we're sharing and we're communicating with each other and the cost to entry is so much less, right? Making a documentary in the past in order to have any kind of quality of filming, then we would need to have, you know, really expensive camera equipment and stuff. Now you can probably do the damn thing on your iPhone. You know, we're, I mean, it's like... We're not far. <laughs> we are not far. That's a, it's, a, you know, I found an app called Director the other day that, that does exactly that. And, it, you know, they even have a business version of this app. And I'll link it in the show notes for those of you guys listening. And I was thinking to myself, we're not far from being able to make feature-length films from our phone. I think in the next 10 years, that's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. So for, for what we consider to be... Uh, like creative output. It's all creative output, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it really is when you think about it. It comes out of our head and we we make something. So that's all creative. But for people that are driven to want to write a book or make a film or, you know, record an album or whatever, like that is where I think we're at a very unique time in in history. And and that's where the and the term body of work has obviously been used for a very very long time. We do tend to often attribute it to just people in the creative professions like photographers or, or uh, artists, fine artists or things like that, writers. But what becomes really interesting to me is where we attribute it to all of us and it it basically is just that which we create throughout the course of our lives and the tangible things and the intangible. And this is part of where I also feel lots of passion and excitement personally about this kind of definition because it can validate for some people who never really cared so much about writing the next great novel or, you know, traveling somewhere and making a documentary, but that is passionate about being a certain kind of parent or being a certain kind of neighbor and just relishing and enjoying the conversations that they have with the local folks that are at their, you know, their corner pub. To somebody who really has that as a focus where they really put their creative energy into as an example, building really profound relationships, that's, that's a very powerful part of their body of work, mm-hmm. right? For, for the people who have been touched by that, that can be an amazing life-altering experience. So I just read about um, a story that was around on Facebook of this teacher uh, who loved teaching, and he got ill quite a few years before he stopped teaching, and, and he had to quit when, once he got really ill. But he decided to go on the journey of um, visiting his high school students. I think he taught in Miami or something. And he just wanted to see uh, how his teaching had impacted them as people. And the stories, I mean, I can hardly tell the story without getting choked up about it because he went all across the country and he talked to these students and he said, you know, the main thing they they were impacted by what it is that I taught. I think he was an English teacher and he evoked a passion, you know, for writing and so forth. But he said the thing that most people really said they, they appreciated the most was just the time that I spent with them. Those little moments where I actually acknowledge them and, and spend some some time with them and make them feel good. And like, those are those moments, my God, for, for how many teachers are there on the planet where those moments are those that are absolutely defining 
for somebody, some kid in that moment who came from a really shitty family background, right, who needed an adult to care in that moment. And that for them is going to be a defining moment that ended up totally changing the trajectory of their lives. I want to honor those kinds of choices that we make about bodies of work and not just worship at the altar of who's created a multi-million dollar business, right? Or who's written the, the next best-selling book. Mm-hmm. I love this. I Then this is why I wanted to have you back because I, I, I knew that there's there's something very special to me about this message. Uh, you know, it, it, when I, I remember when, when I heard you talk about it, uh, at the Misfit Conference. And then when you sent me the book, I thought to myself, I said, this is something that has been missing from our conversation for a really long time. Uh, we just, we, we've kind of, nobody's really talked about it this way. And, and I think the idea that, hey, my, I, I, I think back to something Amber Ray told me. She said, you know, a friend of her said that, you know, your calling and the expression of your calling can be two completely different things. Nice, yes. And, and I, I really, and that, that's kind of the message I want people to take away because, you know, I mean, I see, you know, I, I, as, as you may have caught, like I wrote this lengthy update called the mimicry epidemic on Facebook. And, and of course, tons of people had something to say about it. And to me, this is the way out of it. Like, this is the way you get out of it is to say, you know what, what could I do? I love that you, you know, I always say the advice is, uh, ingredients and the recipe is yours. And, you know, when we look at how we did everything we did with our rebrand, I think it was literally, let's take the hundreds of ideas that we've received from our guests over the years and let's mix them up in a way that nobody else would think to do. And, and of course, you know, I, I think that the idea that I'll be forever defined by this one thing is something that, that, that I'm over now. And I, and to, to hear it put this way, at least I hope it will be liberating for people because it, in my mind, it frees you up to explore the fact that you may have talents you don't even know are there or that have been completely lost. Exactly. And you don't know, you may, a lot of it is tied to when is the right time in your life Mm -hmm. in, in order to, to use those talents. And you don't, much like I, you're, if you're, you're climbing a mountain and you don't really see the next one until you get over the crest of the top of that hill, that, that's one of the things I enjoy so much about getting older is that I do see, oh my gosh, like if I were 27 instead of 47 doing these things, I, don't, I wouldn't have done them the same way. I wouldn't have had the same kind of realization. And so in, in that way, everything has its right time. And you're right, it's, it's hard to let go of things sometimes even more that have been successful mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where you get very known to for a certain brand or a certain thing that you do. Um, and, and to know that, you know, it's okay. I mean, anything, it, it is always going to be part of your body of work. Nobody can take that away from you, what it is that you have created, but you know that you're ready to begin to shift and, and create something else when you feel that you don't have that same kind of, of connection with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember one of my mentors um, talking about seeing uh, Jimmy Buffett, um, who maintains this incredible way to sing Margaritaville with like, at you know, <laughs> the same kind of passion and connection. Like, can you imagine if you're the Rolling Stones and you're, you're singing brown sugar for the, I don't know, 12,000th time, you know, to a stadium full of people? Uh, you can see some bands who are able to uh, continue to stay connected with a mission, or maybe they love performing so much, or maybe they get high off of you know people uh, experiencing the music, and so they can still s- stay creative. You, you see the difference with those that are not connected anymore, mm-hmm. you know, who are just totally dialing it in, and that's where it's like, dude, you know, t- get off the stage. That's not your only time, right? You, there are other things you can do, which is why I was so happy to to showcase John Legend, you know, in, in my book is one mm-hmm. example of somebody, right? Who's an amazing, talented musician. He's still a young dude. So I can imagine he still has so much more left in what he's doing. But, you know, even when he started on his music journey, he was a management consultant, you know, but he got all kinds of business skills. He's a philanthropist. He's interested in education and does television shows and all these different things. I love to see examples like that, you know, because we don't professional sports people. I was talking with Fran Tarkenton, you know, who was the old quarterback um, in the NFL, who's been in business and he's been in radio and like always reinventing himself. And, and that's what I think ends up keeping us both creatively alive and healthy and active 
um, but also protects us from like getting stuck in some sad character, you know, caricature of like how we were at our prime in 1984 or something. And that's <laughs> when we start doing plastic surgery and, you know, life starts to go down. You probably weren't even born in 1984. So I was actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> For I, those I, younger whippersnappers. Yeah, I'm sure, whatever, I'm sure there are some people, <laughs> there, there are definitely people listening to this. And that's, you know, anytime we make 80s pop culture references, I always have to think, <laughs> like, some of you listening weren't even around. You know, we, yesterday we were going by the Top Gun house and, like, I bet I have people in my audience who've never seen Top Gun. <laughs> That's right. So, well, Pam, uh, this has been really awesome. So uh, I'm going to close with my final question, I, which, you know, I, I've always tried to find ways to vary this question up. But uh, it, it, it's interesting, I, I guess, in the context of a body of work, you know, when, when you look at people who have created, you know, what we look at as successful bodies of work, you know, are, are the authors, the artists we admire, you know, the people who go out and do like these crazy public works projects. You know, I, I keep hearing it, I, one of the, somebody referred to uh, referenced a guy who built the skyline in New York. Is it, I don't know if it's the skyline or the highline. I keep forgetting. Uh, but I mean, that's a 10 year project, which means somebody saw something and was willing to put 10 years into something that massive. And I mean, even your dad is a perfect example. What, I mean, what do you think it is that separates a person who can take on such gargantuan projects within their body of work and bring them to life from the ones who don't, who, who can't do that? I think it is, uh, first of all, people who are really willing to, to bet on themselves that, that do believe that the work that they are doing in the world um, makes a difference and, and they're willing to really figure out, you know, really like do their work in, in order to, you know, figure out how to break creative blocks and, you know, value themselves. It's so Saturday Night Live cliche that, you know, we're good enough, we're smart enough, <laughs> and doggone it, people like us. But you know what? There's nothing like that. You know, when you do fundamentally love yourself and you believe in, in your mission, I think that is something that is really important fuel. But ironically, those that do end up, in my experience, creating the kinds of things that are the most significant in the long term are those that enjoy every single step and that don't look and say, I'm, you know, I'm going to spend the next 25 years doing this, but just look ahead of them and, and, and say, my God, this is so interesting. I totally think this is cool. We should do this. Like my dad did so many years ago when, you know, as a nonprofit, they bought the school and just enjoyed each step of the process. It's everyday execution, mm. everyday execution. And, and that's where I see people that really fall by the wayside. You know, if they just get lost in wanting to do everything at the same time and kind of gulp it all in, and then they, they never make it. Mm -hmm. They just don't pace themselves. Yeah, I think you bring up a, a very critical point. I mean, as I'm putting together the, the bits and pieces of the instigator experience, I'm like, wow, I'm talking to shuttle providers and caterers. I really am planning the wedding that I'm not going to have a wife at the end of. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, but I'm realizing, you know, I, like to me, even though those little tiny things, they're not great. But I found that, OK, this is way more manageable if I break it up into hundreds of pieces. And by the time April rolls around, I get to see the fruits of my labor. Exactly. Exactly. And if you, if you don't get some kind of weird pleasure at just checking those small things off your list, then it is hard to, to really see it through, you know, in, in the long term. But that's, that's how things get done. You know, that's how things get done. And, and to me, the true measure of life is just is enjoying it while you're living it, you know, feeling good at the end of the day, even if it was a rough day, knowing that you're, it's worthwhile what, what it is that you're doing. Awesome. Well, Pam, uh, I, like I said, I was absolutely thrilled to have you back. Uh, to me, this, this message is one that I've, I've wanted to share with our audience here at The Unmistakable Creative for some time, and I, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to join us and share some of your insights with us. Thank you for having me back. I truly, truly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Today's episode of The Unmistakable Creative has been brought to you by Cells. That's S-E-L-Z dot com. Cells gives you the freedom to sell from any website quickly with no programming, no special templates or special themes needed, while giving your customer a completely seamless experience. Thanks for listening in on another candid conversation at The Unmistakable Creative. Embrace your inner misfit, express your creative voice, and remember, the goal isn't to live forever, but to create something that will.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that, and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.